And this is episode 64 of the Angry Tech News Podcast for Tuesday, June 20th, 2023. This is the Angry Tech News Podcast at angrytechnews.com. Now your host, the Angry Programmer with a mic, Brian Bemrose. So usually this is the part where I do an opening that has nothing to do with tech news. Uh, I'm not really sure what to say here today. I uh, almost didn't get this show out today because my computer decided that it didn't want to boot back into Windows 8 today after my very first foray into uh, an attempt at dual booting into Debian. But uh, I got it back. And I, uh, much swearing at Microsoft, but of course, Microsoft of, of 2012 wasn't really listening to him anymore. I got some swearing I can do at Microsoft of today, but, uh, don't think I'm going to worry about that. If you want to know all the gory details of my attempt at getting into Linux, then listen to grumpy old Ben's tomorrow. I probably won't cover it there either, but you should listen anyway. From the Making Paper and Filing Cabinets Look Good department, the biggest tech story of the week was the Klopp ransomware gang. Uh, I say it's big because I hit maybe eight or ten different news blog sites in order to uh, try to build this show, and every single one of them had a story on this ransomware. In fact, the story was so big, it even surfaced on No Agenda this last Sunday. So uh, here's what I know. Um, the Klopp ransomware gang exploited a vulnerability in the Move It Secure File Transfer platform by a company called Ipswich, which is part of Progress Software. Uh, I personally had never heard of Move It before, but then again, I don't do enterprise IT anymore. So maybe it's a big name. You'll let me know if this is like just something that everybody knows about out there because it, it came under my radar. But uh, about a week ago, uh, CVE 2023-35708 was exposed or discovered, exposed and published. It is a SQL injection flaw in the web UI of the MoveIt software. Uh, results in privilege escalation. The MoveIt software, as far as I can tell, is it's just a, a large web platform for storing and moving around files, which is frankly, uh, the kind of thing that I would use, uh, SFTP, SCP, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'm old school. I don't need a, a huge web appliance for that, but whatever. Uh, the flaw is a privilege escalation via SQL injection that allows a takeover of user accounts and automatic access to the, uh, to the hackers for whatever privileges that that account had which may or may not include the ability to install programs, view, change, or delete data in there, and to create new accounts on the MoveIt platform. A security advisory on the Progress site suggests that all users, uh, all administrators of MoveIt installations, disable all HTTP and HTTPS traffic to your MoveIt environment, which... Uh, probably renders it completely useless to most everybody, although they do point out that FTP and SFTP to the environment still work. They also recommend that you apply patches, that you 
Uh, and most importantly, that you reevaluate whether or not your users need all of the permissions they have. So I guess what that suggests is they don't actually know whether or not they got all of the uh, uh, vulnerabilities in these patches because they are suggesting that, hey, you know, you probably ought to take all you know, stop making everybody admin, which is actually good security advice. Anyway, the. Even, no matter how big the software is, the fact that there was a vulnerability in it wouldn't have been the huge news, except that within days of the vulnerability being published, uh, the Klopp ransomware gang uh, started actively exploiting it and uh, holding some very large organizations for ransom. Now, again, Klopp, not something I had heard of, as uh, Adam pointed out to an extreme Yesterday, uh, Sunday on No Agenda, Klopp is an incredibly dumb name for a hacker group. Although if you're hacking people, you probably only care that they pay you the ransom, not what they call you. Uh, I did find uh, some data that said that the Klopp ransomware group is linked to the same group that did the Excelion 2020 hack and the SolarWinds 2021 hack. And I did hear of those. In fact, I reported on the 2021. Those were pretty big. Either way. Klopp has started exploiting or uh, extorting some very large organizations, which is why it became news. Uh, some of the organizations listed as having been hacked and uh, or, or affected by the hack, as the term goes, and and or sent ransom demands. Uh, Shell, the oil company, uh, University of Georgia, Heidelberger Druck, University of Rochester system, uh, University of Georgia system, multiple universities, uh, zealous Ofcam, uh, and a number of governments, including the government of Nova Scotia, Oregon, Missouri, Illinois, and Louisiana all seem to have had systems that were strongly affected by this of particular note, the Oregon and Louisiana driver's license systems, which are fully electronic and online and ahead of most other systems in the country had quote millions of licensing data stolen. Um, the data that was lost there was pretty much anything you'd see on a driver's license, name, address, social security number, birth date, height, eye color, driver's license number, VIN number of your vehicles registered to you, uh, information about whether or not you have a handicap tag. And uh, okay, total side note, maybe this is just a Washington thing, but it seems like 50% of the vehicles I see on the road have a handicap tag right now. How the hell did we as a country become so disabled? But anyway, there is no evidence at this time that the data has been sold or given to anyone but Klopp. But this story is not over. Uh, you should expect more updates as the story progresses, um, though maybe no more updates from me. If the updates are boring, then listen to some other tech news podcast because I don't really want to know. Uh, and if you're worried about who is going to pay all of those ransoms to get government databases back online, worry no more. It's you through your taxes, of course. Just one more way that the Internet is making all of our lives better. From the this should be old news by now, Reddit. I am tired of talking about Reddit for a third week in a row, but this is still a story, too. Uh, for one thing, my cheat sheet is busted. I mentioned that I go and visit uh, about eight different tech blog sites, uh, none of which are particularly well organized to troll for stories. So when I'm in a hurry or when I just want to pad out, I really like going to some of the uh, tech news type places at Reddit because 
there is an entire group of people there who have been tirelessly organizing and collecting stories just for me and making, you know, showing me a long highlight list of all the interesting ones, except that the tech news subreddit is still dark, which is kind of why the Reddit thing is still a story. The Reddit admins have not given a freaking inch. And so the number of the uh, subreddits have decided that they are going to continue their protest now in its eighth day. Uh, Some of the updates that happened during this, the Reddit admins uh, threatened to boot moderators who continue with the blackout. They, they said, uh, they they said this was in the interest of opening up the communities that are being harmed by these horrible moderators, effectively suggesting that, the moderators are doing this unilaterally and do not have the support of their communities, many of which they actually pulled the communities and said, do you want to go dark? And a lot of communities said, yes, we really should. But uh, the Reddit admins do not want that because they are losing ad dollars, because they are uh, losing face, because they're losing value for the IPO coming up. So what they said they were going to do is uh, if mods disagree about how to moderate their community, we will reorder the moderator list to grant top slots to mods that want to keep their communities active and engaged. Yes. Uh, moderation. Okay. Moderation in Reddit is uh, hierarchical. The the people who are listed on top have control to veto anything that happens for people below them. So the admins are going in and saying, well, if the top moderators don't want to open up the communities, we'll just move the mod list around and put somebody else's top mod. If a community has 20 moderators, all they need to do is find one scab and say, okay, you're the top mod now, kick out all the others. Uh, They also say if a modder mods are engaging in flagrantly disruptive behavior that compromises the stability of their community, they will be removed. So open discussion there asses. This is, this is strong arming moderators. Moderators are understandably not happy. The funny thing is Reddit's biggest complaint during all of this, the thing that kicked all of it off was all of the terrible, horrible third party companies making free money on Reddit's content, which is a fantastic irony, given that Reddit is making free money on content that the employees of Reddit sure as hell are not generating. It's user content and uh, the effort, uh, most of the work that goes in to curating and maintaining the content is mods that are not being paid. So I have some sympathy for that, despite the fact that I abandoned Reddit in 2019. Uh, so some other fun stories, uh, oh, oh, <laughs> I, I'm just going to tell an anecdote about r slash interesting as fuck. I believe this has happened in other mods, but I really like this one. Uh, they did in fact open up finally because their users said, you know, we want you to close for a certain number amount of time they opened up. They were like, yeah, we're cool. We're, we're going to do this. But the mods feeling a little bit unappreciated said, you know what? We're not willing to spend so much time moderating anymore. So they put up a post that said, here's the new rules for the subreddit. The only thing that matters for this subreddit, you know, is obviously uh, follow all of Reddit's global site-wide rules. You have to say that or, or they'll, they'll just ban the community. But other than that, the only thing we care about is if you're going to post too interesting as fuck, it has to be something you consider interesting as fuck. We are not going to moderate anything anymore at all, which saves them a lot of time. But if you know anything about the way Internet trolls work today, that subreddit interesting as fuck completely full of porn and shock images and uh, at least one image of a uh, very close up of a dude's hairy butthole. 
So I don't necessarily recommend that you go there. I jumped on that grenade for you. Some of these things cannot be unseen. Uh, the thing that I appreciate most about what they've done here is by effectively inviting, not by not by asking for, but by saying we're not going to moderate content anymore. And of course, trolls being trolls filled the thing with NSFW content means Reddit can no longer monetize that community, which had the interesting side effect that that particular community no longer shows ads. Now, I'm not saying that you should fill your entire subreddit with pictures of people's hairy buttholes in order to get rid of ads. But I guess if the shoe fits, uh, another fun fact that I discovered while, uh, while the researching this story was something that happened, uh, about a month ago, I completely missed uh, an experiment. They called it the Reddit admins for a period of four days blocked all logging in to the, uh, website from mobile browsers last month for certain people. You if, if you were the kind of person who was like, nope, I don't like apps. I just want to use the mobile site because web pages are fine by me. They would actually block you from logging in. They force a log out and say, you're not logged in. And then of course, uh, on the Reddit site, uh, a third of the page says your experience will be better if you browse from an app, which I guess is probably true because it won't have a third of the page dedicated to an obnoxious frigging banner. According to the admins in that one, they said, quote, the logged in mobile web experience is currently unavailable for a portion of users to access the site. You can log in via desktop, the mobile apps, or wait for the experiment to conclude. Not a hell of a lot of sympathy for people who just basically destroyed the site for four days for an experiment for shits and giggles, just because they could, because they wanted to see, Hey, can we force everybody to use our janky, unstable piece of crap app? Probably the most interesting result of the Reddit blackout was how it affected Google search, at least for me. Uh, searching for niche topics like failover strategies for a certain brand of NAS or or the best loadout for a tank build in a particular FPS game. Things that you only get from a community that is dedicated to that particular game or topic or very niche uh, area. Reddit specializes in communities like this. The only other place I can think of that would even be close to that would be Stack Exchange. But Stack Exchange is too broad and has had its own severe moderation and wokeness problems for years. So a lot of niche searches where you, you go out to Google, for example, and say, I want to, you know, I want to find out where the, the collectible gizmos are in, uh, you know, Halo Call of Duty 0603 2001, you know, some game that people don't play. And you're like, give me a map of the collectibles and or whatever, something that nobody else is going to have. Reddit was where the search engines would point you. And the pages now aren't available or at least haven't been for the last week. And a lot of people started to notice that because if you go to a web search, it doesn't point you to the answer anymore. It points you to a page that says this community says F you. I, I, I'm not it. I'm not sure if this is a. You know, obviously this is a problem for the web searches. I'm not sure the solution that a lot of search engines are starting to come up with is to throw AI at the problem because of the entire chatbot renaissance that's going on right now, where all the search engines have decided they don't want to send you to third party sites anymore. They want to send you 
to their own chatbot, which admittedly would probably solve this problem. The chatbot will say, oh, well, the answer is that you need, you know, three grenades, two assault rifles and a sidearm pistol in your backpack slot or something. You know, the, the chatbot will tell you that now that kind of system I don't like too much because among other things, it very much centralizes. Another problem is that that might be entirely the wrong answer. There's really no attribution and no way to verify the answer in the search engine anymore. It's really just search engines going, we don't care about you trying to check on whether or not another site has the answer. We don't care if you even get the right answer. Here's the only answer we're going to get. It's unattributed. Just trust us. And if you've been following AI news, you know that chatbot AIs tend to hallucinate, AKA make up things. Um, they are frankly bigger liars than, uh, no, well, a number of people who do lying for, I, I'm not going to get political on this one, but AI chatbots cannot be trusted in their current form. They're, they just, because of their sheer tendency to make stuff up. So I don't think that kind of centralization is the solution. I really like having places like Reddit out there. Uh, but the problem here seems to be, and this pretty much sums up the crux of the problem with the internet. The internet, when I was younger, was a very large number of completely decentralized. Everybody could put up their websites. Nobody could take the whole thing down. And somewhere along the line, it became a series of walled gardens. Even the gardens that didn't look like they had walls, like Reddit, have suddenly proven that they can take your content away at a centralized location. This is why decentralization of content is so critically important to freedom of information, to being able to know things, to see things, because when one company has that kind of control over your information, then we don't have information. What we have is some carefully curated propaganda. Nobody should have the ability to lock up large chunks of human knowledge. Nobody should be the gatekeeper to decide who isn't, isn't, isn't allowed to access our shared information. Oh, and while I'm on the topic, screw every single open source developer who puts their project collaboration site on Discord. From the you are the product department, if you used Google search at any time between 2006 and 2013, you may be entitled to a payout. Google has agreed to pay out for class action settlement. Uh, involving unauthorized sharing of search data with third-party companies. Imagine that, all this search data they were just selling you. The lawsuit went all the way to the Supreme Court back in 2019. After that, the Supreme Court remanded it. This is the lawsuit finally winding down. Uh, however, if you do intend to cash in, don't quit your job just yet. Uh, here's, okay, this is where the article gets a little bit confusing. I read two different write-ups of this story in uh, MSN and in PC mag. They pretty much had the same data. So that's what I'll report. It says that the original 2019 settlement with Google was for a whopping $8.5 million. They'll feel that, which according to the articles would give each person in the class action suit about four cents. But now the settlement has been bumped all the way up to 23 million from 8.5 million, which in theory, if, if I'm doing the math should bump that payout up to a dime per person ish, but the number quoted by both articles. So I'm guessing it's from the, the press release by lawyers who couldn't math 
said that the average payout that they expect per person is $7.70, which uh, isn't a lot of money, but is a hell of a lot more than four cents per person. So I'm not really sure. Either way, I, I don't know. I guess it's a windfall by any measure. Uh, but either way, a link to the PC Magazine article will be in the show notes. If you want to get in on this windfall of free money, you've got until July 31st to sign up. From the March of Progress department, Microsoft is dropping support for new games on the original Xbox One from 2013 and the Xbox One X from 2017. Uh, The 2013 one happens to be my day one console. It is the newest gaming console I have in this house, and it also is the one that I, uh, I believe I threw a public tantrum on this show when I finally abandoned Xbox last year. So the thing has been gathering dust for a while, but still it's sad to learn that first party games are no longer going to work on my console. Most uh, third party developers are likely to follow uh, Microsoft's lead, especially given that uh, Microsoft isn't Sony and Sony are still kind of the ones who own the consoles these days. So uh, if, if Microsoft can't even be bothered to build for these older consoles, why would a developer do it? Um, So expect very few new games to work on the older versions of the Xbox one. So uh, not working the Xbox one, And the Xbox One X, if you want to use a game, you must buy an Xbox One Series X or an Xbox One Series S. Are you confused yet? If there's one thing Microsoft excels at, it's really shitty and confusing branding. The company says that you can still use the consoles to do cloud gaming via the Game Pass Ultimate subscription for a cool hundred dollars a year. If you really are hard up to do that and can't be bothered to buy a PC, which is the only gaming platform that I still think is worthwhile going forward. The only first party title that will work on older consoles is Minecraft, but I'm pretty sure that one that's because that one will still play on a raspberry Pi, an Asus router or my old Palm pilot. From the corporate bottom line department. Google is getting out of the domains business, shutting down their Google domains service. Uh, The service has been sold to Squarespace, so they're not actually dumping you as a customer. But if you are one of the people who is using Google domains for one of their 10 million currently registered domains, you are now going to be a customer of, of Squarespace who are taking over the Google domain service had service tie-ins to Gmail workspace cloud and Google ads, but never really offered hosting, which is kind of a staple of every other domain registrar out there, including Squarespace who started out as a hosting company. Uh, So I don't know if that contributed to the problem for me. That would be a bonus considering I always bring my own hosting and I really get annoyed when I register a domain and have to click through. No, about 10 times saying, no, I don't want your damn hosting. Your hosting is terrible. Your hosting is too expensive. I've got my own. I I just swipe it from void zero because he's awesome. And I have the passwords to all his stuff. Oh, I didn't, you didn't hear me say that. If, if you recall the most recent tech news that, uh, uh, Google domains had was some recent controversy with the top level domains dot MOV and dot zip, which, At the time, Google domains was the only place you could get it. Actually, now that I think about it, you didn't hear about that on this show. You would have only heard about that if you listened to Grumpy Old Ben's episode 223, which was a few weeks ago. Uh, But rest assured, 
there was some controversy with that one, and uh, it's still a thing. It's just old news now. Either way, Google Domains is going the same way as uh, Google Stadia, which shut down earlier this year. Uh, Google Grasshopper, which uh, I'd never heard of. So uh, it was a cartoony app intended to teach basic coding schools or skills to children. Um, I'd never heard of it. So maybe that's why it's shutting down or maybe because I already know how to use how to do coding and I don't need a cartoon to teach me. But they're shutting down Grasshopper there. They shut down their uh uh, yeah, Stadia, their cloud gaming service. Uh, you know, it, it, Google has a long, long history of shutting down services when people use them going all the way back to Google reader. Um, part of the reason I think domains is being shut down and, uh, uh correct me if you haven't heard this point yet today is, uh, decentralization. Buying your own domain contributes to the open internet. It contributes to decentralization, the ability to point a domain at servers that Google does not control. Google does not want. Uh, that is the opposite of what Google has been trying to do for years. Now they want to own everything in their own walled gulag. Uh, this might be the reason why I avoid Google products, uh, because they want to wall off everything. And because I can't really trust them, the products to be around when I need them with their history of shutting down. I don't know. Looks like I might've been right. And from the define irony department, bleeping computer reports on a rising trend since at least may. So it's been a month. I don't know if it's a trend yet. Uh, hackers impersonating cybersecurity researchers. Uh, they specifically called out a fake cybersecurity company called High Sierra Cybersecurity, who went out on Twitter and announced proof of concept code uh, that uh, they posted to GitHub. According to the proof of concept in the Twitter posts, the company is publishing exploits for zero day flaws in Chrome, Discord, Signal, WhatsApp, Microsoft Exchange, basically all of the really big things that people would want to hack. Uh, when you click on it, it goes to a GitHub repository, which hosts nothing more than a Python script called POC.py that, you guessed it, downloads and executes malware on the security researchers or would-be script kiddies system. The uh, Python will differentiate. It has versions for Linux and versions for Windows, not for Mac, because no sane hacker would own a Mac or, or purchase one. Malware payload uh, being downloaded uh, does get flagged by about 60% of the antivirus engines, according to virus total, but uh, bleeping computer still recommends that you always be careful when downloading scripts from unknown repositories, especially in the cybersecurity realm. Uh, this, this should be bloody obvious, but it needs to be said by as evidenced by the fact that these kind of hacks actually work, especially in the cybersecurity realm. If you are going to download code, read and understand the code before running it. Then again, if you are the kind of person downloading these codes or these hacks so that you can work them into your next malware package, then in that case, by all means, download and run it. It'll be poetic. Angry thanks go out to Baron Spud the Mighty, Progo, and Steve, Ed or Steve Edwards and... Also, I should not be paginating this like this. Steve Edwards, Memes1336, and Joel W. for their support of the Angry Tech News Show. 
Angry Tech News is produced on the value for value model. We don't take sponsors. We don't play ads and we do not charge you to listen, but we are funded by your donations. If you receive some value from listening to this show, please send some value back. Go to angrytechnews.com and click on the donate button. Send what you think this episode was worth to you, whether it's $5, $25 or your entire class action payout from Google. That's it for now. I'm Ryan Bemrose, the angry programmer with a mic. I'll be back next week with more Angry Tech News. This has been Angry Tech News with the angry programmer, Ryan Bemrose at angrytechnews.com. Stay angry. Stay angry. Stay angry. You know, I'm glad that the only part that I ever mess up on this show is the very opening because I can restart it as many times as I want.